Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No Trump. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, a busy week in terms of uh, an attack on our Constitution with the sham impeachment trial of President Trump. Plus, Judicial Watch is still in court digging away on the real sedition, which was the effort by the Obama administration, Obama holdovers, uh, to subvert and undermine the administration of uh, our government by President Trump. And I'll talk about that as well. But first up is the sham impeachment trial of President Trump. As you as you may know, or you should be paying attention to it, if you aren't, uh, I don't blame you because it is a big joke in terms of it not having any substance. Uh, but the President, uh, President Trump was impeached by the House in a summary summary proceeding that allowed him to present no evidence. In fact, there was no evidence gathering at all, practically speaking. And uh, so it made a mockery of the very notion of due process in the House of Representatives. And so, uh, but it was a power grab by the House Democrats in the sense that uh, they saw an opportunity using the emotion and anger over the rioting that took place to try to tar and feather, constitutionally speaking, President Trump. And so uh, they powered through this uh, impeachment in a summary fashion, as I said, rolling over the rights of President Trump, and uh, they moved it into the Senate. Now, what needed to be resolved in the Senate uh, and constitutionally is that whether a former officer could be tried, meaning a former public official. Uh, there were arguments on both sides. I actually tended to believe that, yes, a former president can be impeached. I've been consistent in that. I thought Trump, I mean, I thought Obama could have been impeached. I thought Hillary Clinton could have been and should have been impeached. Uh, and, but I understand there are arguments on the other side, especially at the presidential level. But now all of that's been settled because the Senate voted that they do have jurisdiction. So there's no more question anymore. Obviously, the president's now being tried, but now it's been settled, right? There is jurisdiction for former, for former government officials, meaning that Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, and James Comey, uh, Brennan, all the rest, any public servant at the federal level, uh, an officer under the, at least the definition of the Constitution, can be impeached and tried, whether or, they're not, whether or not they're in service whether or not they're in office. So Obama can be impeached. Heck, we can impeach Bill Clinton again. Maybe we go back and impeach if you're a leftist. Maybe you go back and impeach George W. Bush. Where does it end? But the left has set the new standard. Uh, and uh, prudence may dictate that you don't follow the course I'm suggesting. But uh, I would suggest that what went on in the Obama administration is worthy of impeachment, that what Hillary Clinton did is worthy of impeachment, especially since the Justice Department is uh, thoroughly corrupted. The FBI is thoroughly broken and politicized, and, uh, and there's no indication, and there's proof, positive, uh, 
that they are unable to investigate or target anyone who's part of the protected classes here in Washington, D.C. So the trial has proceeded and it opened up and I guess there were a lot of people disappointed with the, uh, the way the president's lawyers handled the first part of the proceeding. Uh, the defense occurred today. Uh, and let me just say, the, the case put on by the impeachment managers was a wild abuse of any sense of due process and justice. Uh, fake videos, and by fake meaning edited it in a way to change the actual meaning of the words they're presenting. So when you cut someone off in mid-sentence or take a phrase out of context and present it to, to uh, suggest something that is at odds with the original context, that's fake. That's lying. That's obstruction. And it's abuse of power by the, by the House managers. Frankly, the House managers should be subject to ethics investigations the way they handle this case. Doctoring tweets, uh, purposely misleading and misreading them. The president neither morally nor legally incited any insurrection. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, there's a legal definition. You go into court, there's a criminal charge, there's incitement, and there are certain standards the courts have found you need to meet, that the prosecutors need to meet if they're going to pursue uh, an indictment or a prosecution. Now, the, it's a political process on the Hill in terms of this impeachment trial, so they're not bound by the legal niceties. And I, and I don't mean that to be derogatory, meaning that they, there can be a lesser standard. They don't have to meet the criminal standard necessarily. It's, it's, they do what they want. That's why it's important that there be at least some reasonable due process checks. Uh, but when he was talking about fighting and he was talking about uh, uh, standing up for your rights and things like that, he wasn't encouraging anyone to commit violence. He wasn't. And I think the, uh, his defense team made a good point of that. Uh, today. And in fact, what they're trying to do, the left that's running this show, is they're trying to outlaw free speech. They're trying to make it clear that if you raise objections to the way the elections were conducted, or raise objections potentially to the way future elections are to be conducted, you'll be guilty of inciting, inciting violence. And of course, there are political benefits to this impeachment charade. I think you know, I was talking to a reporter today, you know, and it occurred to me that the left, as always, the left does it. Because remember, I know we're all worried about the left, but we have to remember the human beings. And like every other human being, including yours truly, you're all susceptible to <laughs> uh, uh, thinking things are going to work out one way when in fact they work out another and miscalculating. And, you know, they're, they're human beings too. So they're not omniscient, you know, they don't know everything and how it's going to work. And they may have a lot of power, but life comes at you fast. And in this case, I think they thought that given the anger and emotion around the riot, they could ram through the impeachment in the House and force the Senate Republicans to collapse and push Trump out, meaning convict him. And uh, it didn't work out that way. So now they're kind of stuck with this albatross of an impeachment 
and they're trying to do what they can do. Standards of justice don't apply. The president doesn't deserve any rights traditionally afforded anyone similarly accused in any 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 proceeding that has the patina of constitutionalism around it. And so uh, it's going to be done. But in the meantime, I encourage you to call your senators at 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. And let them know what you think about this impeachment charade. You know, if, if they're doing what you want them to do, applaud them. If they're not doing what they want you to do, let them know. Uh, they want to hear from you. I know people say they don't want to hear from you. They do want to hear from you. Even uh, senators who think you um, they uh, you think have uh, no interest in what you say don't don't you believe it? They're very much aware. They're like human as a, you know they're like human weather vanes. Uh, many of them are, and so they want to hear what you have to say because they want to know where to point. <laughs> they rely on they rely on those phone calls as metrics to uh, help them conduct their business in their office. I mean it's true. So I encourage you to communicate with your senators. So, uh, you know, on the other hand, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I go hot and cold on this, right? I'm outraged and I think it's the worst thing in the world. On the other hand, it looks like a big failure. But you can have big failures that damage the body politic and damage our liberties. Uh, I'm, sh I'm sure you share my concern about the effort to deplatform conservatism deplatform any opposition to the radical rising left agenda. I mean, this impeachment's about deplatforming President Trump from our nation's public life. He's already been deplatformed from Twitter. Facebook has targeted him. Other, other big social media has, has targeted him. Others have been deplatformed. I am still locked out from Twitter. I am still locked out from Twitter. Judicial watch is being suppressed generally as to what we say and what we can do on these various platforms. We're looking at other alternatives, but in the meantime, you know, we got to try to educate people as best we can in the atmosphere we have. So it's it's restrictive. And they want to further restrict us. And so this is the danger. And I'm sure, and, and I say I complain about judicial watch, I complain about me, but I'm sure you're facing it. You must be thinking. Well, if I type this on Facebook, am I going to get thrown off Facebook? If I type this on Twitter, am I going to get thrown off Twitter? Do I have to worry about the IRS now? Do I have to worry about the FBI? Because I said the word fight in an email. Is that the new standard? Core political speech, common everyday phrases can subject you to criminal scrutiny. Well, that's what the left is saying. Unless, of course, they use those words, right? I mean, that's what the president's legal team highlighted today. Fight, 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 fight. It's okay for the left to say it, and actually in the context of violent riots, but it's not okay for the president to use it in a regular speech. Now, remember, on top of the abuse of the president, we have the abuse of, really, the First Amendment rights of every American citizen, with the militarization of Capitol Hill. I've, um, I would have loved to go up and watch the Senate trial. I watched the Senate trial last year uh, for a period of time. I stayed as long as I could bear. Uh, 
And, um, but I, I, there's no way I was going to get in this time because it's on lockdown. We've militarized our nation's capital. It's never happened before, or at least Capitol Hill. I'm not aware of it ever happening before like this in American history. I'm not sure what the security reasons are for doing it. So your right to petition your government is restricted. Try to, you want to go visit your congressman? Good luck. I don't know how, I wouldn't even know how to do that. I'm president of Judicial Watch. I mean, the fact that I would have to kind of figure out my, how to do that. I mean, I, 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 our offices are in Washington, D.C. So think of the big quadrant, uh, the big uh, perimeter going around Capitol Hill. Our offices are just outside the fence line. We're, we're on the other side of Pelosi's wall. And we can't get in. And we're the nation's largest and most effective government watchdog group. And we can't watch Congress. At the same time, our military is deployed in unprecedented fashion on Capitol Hill. It's being undeployed in the border. Joe Biden has just announced that he's uh, withdrawing the declaration of emergency that President Trump rightly uh, initiated uh, that allowed him to uh, both build the wall on the border and support our security there with additional military. All bets are off now. Our border's getting opened up. No security on the border, but outrageous security on Capitol Hill in a way that is uh, political. Remember, those troops up there, they're being deployed away from their homes. They're not being trained or being deployed to do something else more substantial. So it's all political. I mean, how third world is it that they are putting on trial a former president for First Amendment protected speech in a compound surrounded by the military. And of course, our military itself is under assault, even has Congress support, you know, uses it as political props. You have the leftists now running the Pentagon going through an ex uh, some type of purge to make sure there are no Trump supporters or conservatives in the military and try to scare the bejesus out of anyone who might be a conservative activist. These are treacherous times for our constitutional republic, I think. These are treacherous times. And, um, and I'm not just here yelling about it. Believe me, Judicial Watch is launching Freedom of Information Act requests, launching public records requests, looking at the legality of what is going on on Capitol Hill. I mean, the fact that I'm not on Twitter doesn't mean that Judicial Watch is shut down, believe me. Because Republicans are afraid to talk about any of this. What happened on the right? What happened during the right? Other reporters have highlighted this as well. Some key facts. We don't know some key facts. What is the security threat that justifies this unprecedented and, and, and historic use of the military, seemingly in perpetuity, on Capitol Hill? Is there going to be a military base up there now? 
I mean, those are the sorts of questions that no one's getting answers to. We have this investigation into the death of uh, that police officer. It's not clear how he died. How you know what what's going on? I mean, it, this is a riot that led to the impeachment of a president of the United States, and we don't know basics about it. The woman who was killed, who was shot by the police officer, she wasn't. She was unarmed. I'm not saying the police officer did anything wrong, but I, I don't know who the police officer is. What were the findings about how that happened? But because it's Congress, the Freedom of Information Act doesn't apply to Congress. And so Judicial Watch has tried other ways to try to get documents through common records, common law, uh, right to know laws. But it's always a fight. It's always a fight. So the president is unlikely to be convicted. Uh, he will be abused. And this abuse is inexcusable and it should never have been allowed to happen. And I blame the Republican leadership on in the Senate for allowing it to happen. I mean, you think, well, just because there's a majority of Democrats, there's nothing Republicans can do to stop this type of activity from happening. That's not true. That's simply not true. They could have short circuited this trial, for instance, if they put their heads to it but they didn't want to. Of course, this is the second time that's happened. It's the second time it's happened because the I was, you know, it's about a year ago now that we had the first impeachment. And I was joking, they're not gonna, they're gonna impeach him again. And sure enough, they have. And now that the precedent's been set that you can impeach former presidents, they will impeach him again, I guarantee you. I shouldn't say I guarantee you. It would not surprise me. Would it surprise you? Would it surprise you? You know, and, and let me just say, I, I'm giving him my point of view. I'm giving him my considered opinion, more or less. But you, you know this stuff as much as I do. I, 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 I watch it maybe a little bit more closely than some others. But you know what's happening here. You know what's happening here. It's about getting Trump. It's about the 2024 campaign. It's not about the Constitution. It's not about objecting to violence. The left doesn't object to violence. There was this Time Magazine piece last week or the week before last that described the leftist coup, uh, excuse me, the leftist conspiracy on the 2020 election. And one of the parts of the article, and I may have mentioned this last week, that I found most intriguing in the sense that it confirmed what everyone kind of knew is that this leftist cabal could turn on and turn off violent protest like a spigot. That's in the Time article, you can read it. So they don't care about violence. They, they use it when they want. And their concern about the riot is universally shared in this regard. And since no, you know, no one supports violence in that regard, but they don't always oppose violence. I know I've always opposed the sort of violence we've seen at the political level here in the United States. I, for instance, think if we, the Insurrection Act had been invoked as I've been calling on President Trump to been do, it, do it here in the District of Columbia, 
that we would have had better security up on Capitol Hill. And could have prevented the riot from taking place. So this is about politics. This is about suppression of speech. And this is about targeting President Trump, taking him off the, the chessboard, so to speak. And it's going to fail in part, but succeed in part. They've given cover to their allies and leftist big tech to suppress President Trump and others, including Judicial Watch. Now, Project, I don't know if you've seen recently, Project Veritas has been bounced off of Twitter, suspended. That's the group run by James O'Keefe that does the, that does excellent investigative reporting and um, exposés on the corrupt left. They're friends of ours, and it's outrageous to see. So I'm locked out. Project Veritas has been suspended. James O'Keefe himself was locked out for a little bit, but he he uh, got himself put back on somehow. So they're broadening the um, the suppression. They're broadening it, but we're not going to stop. We're just going to keep on fighting. Dare I say it in court, in the court of public opinion, by educating people. I mean, just think about this. And I'm not tooting, touting, tooting my own horn. But I'm the president of America's largest government watchdog group, Judicial Watch. And I've been knocked off of social media, a key social media public platform, Twitter, for over a month during a presidential transition, inauguration, during a presidential impeachment, and during an incoming presidential administration, new one. So I'm a government watchdog, one of the most well-known in the country, practically speaking, right? Certainly on the right. And I can't talk about what the Biden administration is up to. I can't talk about this impeachment on Twitter. I can, I'm on elsewhere. I'm on Telegram. I'm on, you know, we're on YouTube here, but even that's restricted in part about what I can say. I'm on uh, Facebook still, but still. So it's like a third world country in some respects. I'm being oppressed. I'm being oppressed. You're being oppressed because I speak for you, don't I, in some respects? At least I hope I do. But I can't speak for you, at least on Twitter. James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, can't speak for you on Twitter. We're restricted in what we can say even on YouTube. So they are oppressing opponents of policies that they are sympathetic to. And they're trying to stop people like Judicial Watch and me from talking about corruption issues related to politicians they sympathize to. How is that not third world? Actually, you know what? If it were third world, there would be more objection to it because it would be obvious. There wouldn't be this pretense that the totalitarian left in here has that there's against misinformation and other Orwellian terms designed to dehumanize and dismiss their opponents. I mean, we have more litigation on, on this deplatforming or this retaliation 
by the totalitarian left uh, coming up next week. But it, it, it's all over the place. Uh, do you see this poor um, actor was fired from this Disney show, this uh, Mandalorian show, because she raised concerns about the suppression of speech. And Disney fired her, just outright. She didn't say anything. I'm not going to get into the fight about what she said or not didn't say. She did not say anything controversial, relatively speaking. She did not. Straightforward political analysis that everyone else says and has said about how it's dangerous to try to suppress the free speech of your political opponents. And for that, she was fired by Disney, who does business with China happily. Just unbelievable. I don't know if she's going to sue anyone about it. Oh, I know some lawyers if she needs to. So with that, uh, we have other things to do. Uh, excuse me. With that, um, as I said, we're not stopping our work. And uh, one of the challenges and disappointments we had with the Trump administration is that the Justice Department really just operated as if President Trump wasn't president in many respects. Uh, certainly on areas of transparency. They protected the corrupt criminal class that targeted Trump both before he came into office and when he was in office. And the Justice Department in many ways aided and embedded them by protecting them from having records about their activities disclosed. And along those lines, they protected Sally Yates, who's one of the worst of the worst in terms of the targeting of President Trump. She was the Obama, I think she was second command of the Obama Justice Department. And when President Trump came into office, because it took some time for him uh, to appoint and get confirmed Jeff Sessions, she was acting attorney general up until, I think she was attorney general for two weeks or so, until she decided to uh, put out a one-page statement refusing to defend and attacking President Trump's travel ban. And um, President Trump immediately fired her for insubordination. So what Judicial Watch did is that we asked very for a very narrow request of... Um, a very narrow subset of documents, essentially her emails for the two weeks she was there. How many emails could there be? And uh, one of the big emails that we got out was, uh, and it kind of, ex kind of exposed the corruption of the Mueller operation, was uh, Mueller's deputy, Andrew Weissman, who when she sent out this outrageous, insubordinate, I call it seditious, document saying that she would refuse to enforce the president's lawful ban. Uh, Andrew Weissman uh, sent her an email saying, I'm so proud and in awe. Thank you so much. All my deepest respects. So Andrew Weissman, who became one of the president's top tormentors under uh, Mueller and actually was a tormentor even before Mueller, was supporting this act of insubordination, unethical conduct, as I said, seditious activity, if we're going to use the word seditious now. So what's the interesting thing is that this statement that she issued attacking the president's travel ban for which she was fired, there were early, er, earlier drafts of it. And so they refused to give us those drafts, saying they were pre-decisional covered by the deliberative process privilege, which is an exemption that allows the government to withhold pre-decisional agency records, meaning like the final agency decision or the final decision by the official 
that can be released, but the drafts and the back and forth beforehand, that can't be released. Now, of course, there's no hard and fast rule that it can't be released, meaning they have discretion to release it, but because the government's the government, they don't want embarrassing back and forth to come out. Now, there was an effort to uh, kind of reform that process by uh, reforming FOIA in 2017. As we say, uh, by withholding those drafts, the Justice Department was undermining that FOIA reform. Uh, it was called the FOIA Improvement Act that established a new heightened standard of proof that agencies must meet when making discretionary withholdings of records requested under FOIA. I Meaning they gotta re really be specific as to saying, yeah, we need to withhold this document because it's gonna chill future government deliberations. They need to be really specific. What is it you mean by that? What deliberations will be chilled? Be more specific. As we say, Congress intended to shore up FOIA, not preserve a years long and satisfactory status quo of withhold it because you want to exemptions and knee jerk secrecy. So that we were fighting the Trump administration on this. The Trump Justice Department, they were defending the draft records behind Sally Yates's misconduct. Were they going to, so think about this. The idea about the liberal process privilege is you withhold documents because it might chill future government decision-making. Are they concerned that withholding these or, or uh, releasing these documents would chill further misconduct by the Justice Department senior leadership? Well, that's their logic. And of course, there's a government misconduct exemption, exception to withholdings, meaning you can't use arbitrary these, these discretionary withholdings to cover up government misconduct. And I'll read you our section where we talk about that. Where there is reason to believe the document sought may shed light on government misconduct, the privilege is routinely denied on the grounds that shielding internal government deliberations in this context does not serve the public's interest in honest, effective government. Insubordination, especially by an acting attorney general, seeking to defy an executive order issued by the president is, quote, a serious breach of the responsibilities of representative government. The records, of each ish, the records at issue relate directly to Yates's defiance of the president and breach of the duties she owed the president which resulted in her being fired. The records reflect, or at least are purported to reflect, the thought process by which Yates chose to direct her subordinates to defy the president by not defending the president's executive order. They are, in effect, deliberations on Yates's decision to, to commit insubordination. They do not warrant protection under the deliberative process privilege and should be made public. So this is an appeal because the lower court ruled that Justice Department could withhold it. And unfortunately, the lower courts here in the District of Columbia regularly just rubber stamp the withholdings of the government. You know, I, everyone talks about the stone wall uh, we've got in government agencies, but from my perspective, and I'm, I'm, I'm visioning myself being in my office, so I'm not in my office, but if I were to look off to my side here, I'd see the court. Back that way would be the White House. And I see the stone wall extending from the White House to the courthouse. 
manned by members of both branches. And that's Judicial Watch's approach. So I know you're frustrated, many of you, that there's a Biden administration, but from Judicial Watch's perspective, things won't, haven't changed much. The Justice Department is going to defend the corruption targeting President Trump. They did it during the Trump administration. They will continue to do it during the Biden administration. We're not going to get any more transparency from the Biden administration than we got from the Trump administration. I've told, I've told, as I've told you before, in some ways, the Trump administration was worse for transparency than the Biden administration. The big difference is that Joe Biden probably has zero interest in personally in transparency when President Trump actually was advocating for the transparency, but he was able to get the agencies to do what they needed to do. He was constantly being subverted. I call it casual sedition, where he was directing the disclosure of information and his appointees just refused to do it or the deep state refused to do it. It was a combination as um, I remember one official telling me, he said, the problem is that the deep state is the top state, meaning even his appointees were resisting this. So Judicial Watch is better placed than most to deal with the Biden administration in terms of getting information about its activities. Because, you know, um, I know everyone says, Tom Fitton is a supporter of Trump. And, you know, the truth be told, he appointed me to a position uh, as a, a uh, on a commission. But Judicial Watch, we sued the Trump administration probably more than anyone else did. I don't think anyone else sued the Trump administration more than Judicial Watch. I guarantee you no one will sue the Biden administration more than Judicial Watch. Our goal is to enforce the rule of law. Our goal is to say, hey, government agency, we are the American people. We have a right to know what our government is up to. FOIA gives us this right. You are violating that law. And now we're going to take you into court and get you to explain why you're withholding documents and at least try to get the court to start you turning over the documents. And it's a slow, laborious process. And it always starts off David versus Goliath. But when we're in court, it's Goliath versus Goliath because the law is the great equalizer. And it doesn't mean we win all the time, but it means we're on least equal footing. I mean, what a glorious, glorious country we live in. The little old judicial watch can go in and beat City Hall. And I'm by being City Hall, I mean the IRS, I mean the CIA, I mean the Justice Department, the FBI. And I get frustrated about how long it takes. But these documents would never see the light of day. But for Judicial Watch's diligence, persistence, strength, and our glorious system of law that requires agencies, not as much as it should, but in significant ways that other countries have no conception of to follow the rules. So that's why I get especially frustrated when the Justice Department is fighting us on FOIA because they're the ones supposed to be enforcing FOIA. You may not know this, but the Justice Department represents all the agencies we sue for records. So it's the Justice Department that's always the problem. So if you think the Justice Department is bad because of the spying, you don't know half of it.
pretty much everything you don't like about what the federal government does is defended by the Justice Department, happily, oftentimes. I mean, there are agency heads. I mean, sometimes you get uh, folks who philosophically agree with our approach on government matters, and they they take the right position legally. Many times they don't, even if they do agree with us, right? And you see that example with transparency. So we'll see what the appellate court does with our case here. But I love the fact we're we're suing on this or continuing to pursue this. But it kind of shows you just how crazy things were. You had the Trump Justice Department defending corruption by the Justice Department and trying to cover it up, defend, targeting Trump. And now Biden's going to do and continue, I'm sure, because he's not going to change his position here. So with that being said, um, I've gone on a bit about that longer than I intended, but I think it's an interesting discussion. Let me know if I talk too long. I'll try to I'll keep it shorter next time. But uh, I'll see you next time here on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. I've got some new lawsuits coming up you're going to be very interested in. we got new documents coming out you're going to be very interested in. And uh, Judicial Watch is just going to keep on doing the heavy lifting and plowing along. Thank you very much. And I'll see you next time here on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.